Let me ask you to take your Bibles and turn to 1 John chapter 4. We will be beginning an Advent series uh, calling Joy to the World. It's hard to believe, isn't it, that uh, Advent is here, but but it is upon us. Uh, But for today, uh, we are in 1 John, continuing in our series, Children of the Living God, 1 John chapter 4. As you're able, let's stand for the reading of God's Word. Beloved, do not believe every spirit, but test the spirits to see whether they are from God. For many false prophets have gone out into the world. By this you know the Spirit of God. Every spirit that confesses that Jesus Christ has come in the flesh is from God. And every spirit that does not confess Jesus is not from God. This is the spirit of the Antichrist, which you heard was coming and now is in the world already. Little children... You are from God and have overcome them, for he who is in you is greater than he who is in the world. They are from the world, therefore they speak from the world, and the world listens to them. We are from God. Whoever knows God listens to us. Whoever is not from God does not listen to us. By this we know the spirit of truth and the spirit of error This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Let's bow together. Lord, will you help us, uh, help us to hear your word because your word is truth. It is the, the one thing in this world that we can absolutely depend upon. In a world where there's so much confusion, so much being said. So, Lord, we want to hear from you by your Holy Spirit. And we pray this in Jesus' precious name. Amen. Be seated. Early in my ministry... Uh, so it's been a number of years ago, there were uh, several communications that were going around churches where they were asking people to sign petitions because of things that were, were going on. And that was before the internet, uh, so you couldn't, you know, search these things out to to find out, uh, is, this, is this really happening? Is this true? Uh, let me give you just a, a couple of them uh, because I had to deal with them so many times. One was that uh, Procter & Gamble's symbol, and some of you may remember it, uh, I, I don't know if it's still their symbol, but it was like a, a, a part, partial moon, a crescent moon and that had a face on it and there were stars and so on, there was a a rumor that uh, it was a satanic symbol and that they were actually giving 
prophets from that company to the church of Satan. And so they wanted you to sign a petition that would be sent to them and to boycott their products. That was uh, uh, one of the things they, in, in a matter of two months, they had some 15,000 phone calls and letters in, uh, in a couple of months. Uh, another was a petition to sign that was going to be sent to the FCC, Federal uh, Communications Commission, that claimed that Madeline Murray O'Hare, who was a famous atheist at the time, an activist, outspoken, uh, that she had filed a petition against religious broadcasting, and it was going to make it so that uh, the uh, things going over the, the radio and TV couldn't be uh, Christ-oriented or Christmas and, and so on. And uh, again, they wanted people to, to sign it. Now, I was a a young pastor, and I didn't know any better, so I picked up the phone and called the FCC. And they, uh, they said, we are so glad you called us because this never happened. It's not going on. Uh, Madeline Murray O'Hare has not filed any kind of petition with us. But we literally have mail bags uh, and rooms full of petitions that are coming from churches. And so they, they thanked me profusely for calling. They said, please spread the word. And there were several other times within the next few years that that had to be debunked in churches uh, that I I served. Now, I tell you this because uh, the, the reality is that sometimes Christians can be gullible. Now, there's good reason for that. I'm convinced that one reason is because Christians have big hearts. They care about the truth. They care about the gospel going forward, and if they see that, that threatened and so on, they, they want to stop that, and Christians can be very passionate about those things. And that's not wrong. And yet, we have to be careful that we are not gullible. This passage before us, uh, John is basically warning about a gullibility and uh, telling how do we deal with that? How are you to deal with this? And he is, he's emphasizing that Christ's followers are to be discerning. Look at verse one there. He says, beloved, do not believe every spirit, but test the spirits to see whether they are from God. For many false prophets have gone out into the world. Now, I, I use the word discernment. Uh, dis, discern, it's not in, in the scripture here. I think it describes that. Discernment, though, is the, it's the ability to, to tell the difference between truth and error. And John is very concerned that believers be able to do that. And, 
And any pastor would be concerned that that's the case. So notice John uses the word test where he says, uh, do not believe. He's actually saying, stop believing every spirit. So evidently, that's what was going on with them, that anybody that came along that used uh, words that they thought fit with Christianity, they would just follow them and believe them and so on. And some of them were being taken into error by that. Jesus had said back in Matthew 10, verse 16, Behold, I'm sending you out as sheep in the midst of wolves. So be wise as serpents and innocent as doves. So why did they, the, the people that John was speaking to, why did they need to be discerning? Well, we've already spoken in, in previous weeks about the false prophets they were dealing with. Uh, Serinthus, the Gnostics. These were false prophets uh, that sounded good. <clears throat> At least they sounded good enough to where people were being fooled by them. And so John is not just saying, uh, you know, saying, look, there, there are those out there. He's, he's about to tell them, so what do we do about that? Paul in Thessalonians said, test everything. So Paul and John believe that, that even the, the humblest Christian possesses the, the, the right of private judgment. Now, the reason I use that phrase is because the reformers that we would trace our roots, you know, through them back to the New Testament and back to the scripture itself. But uh, the reformers insisted on that in that they were saying, look, you believers, and this was new to them because they were dealing with a church that was saying, if you want to know truth, we're the only ones that can tell you that. And the reformers said, no, that's not the case. You don't need a, 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 some kind of a prophet. You don't need a, a priest. You don't need a preacher or some interpreter of the truth because if you're a believer, you have the Holy Spirit and the Holy Spirit dwells in every believer. And so the reformers emphasized you can figure it out because you have the word of God and you have the Holy Spirit. And you don't need uh, one person to be the, the only interpreter of the truth. So how can you have discernment? Well, it, it's based on an objective criteria. Um, I have this ad, uh, and I, I know that People don't look at ads to decide what church they're going to much anymore. But, but this ad uh, says this: um, if you're not attending, uh, if you are not attending a church because you're looking for a church that has a positive approach to Christianity, that sounds good. If you are looking for a church that teaches the innate goodness of all people. And then it quotes part of a verse, Christ in you, you, the hope of glory. If you believe that God is love, listen carefully, the Christ spirit was implanted in each one 
giving us the power to overcome challenges and difficulties, then they invite you to their church. It is a church of unity. And if you attended this church, uh, they described themselves a new thought church centered in the Christ spirit. Isn't that interesting that the very thing that John is saying that determines if you follow or not is not about the Christ spirit. There's some good words here. But Christ who is God in the flesh. That's the difference right there. If you went here, you would hear heresy. Universalism. No need for salvation. This is false prophecy. And that's just one simple example. But, but it's an example where some of the very words that, that might make us say, ooh, that sounds good. But if we're not careful, if we're not discerning, if we're not comparing this to the word of God, one could be gullible for something like this. Here's what John says in terms of this objective criteria. Verse 3, every spirit that does not confess Jesus is not from God. This is the spirit of the Antichrist, which you heard was coming and now is in the world already. That's exactly why here at St. Andrew's Presbyterian Church that uh, all of our teaching comes from the word of God. It is only to be followed. Our teaching here at this church is only to be followed as it's consistent with the word of God. That goes for from this pulpit, from any growth class, from any community group. All of our teaching, all of our women's and men's Bible studies are based upon the word of God. And that's the only authority we have. It's not my authority or any teacher's authority. It is based only on the word of God. John says this, verse 2, By this you know the Spirit of God, every spirit that confesses that Jesus Christ has come in the flesh is from God. So that in the flesh, that was, that's contrary, of course, to what I just read to you uh, from this ad, but, but it was contrary to what Serenthus and the, uh, the Gnostics were teaching. They, were, uh, they would have rejected the incarnation which we are about to in Advent celebrate, that is that God became flesh. And they would have said no. No, there is, they, they'd have been fine with this ad. There's a Christ spirit out there. But God does not become flesh. If, if, if God doesn't become flesh in Jesus Christ, then there is no salvation. And that's what we must understand. The fundamental doctrine that, that can never be compromised is the person of Christ himself. If you ever want to know if, if, uh, if you're being approached by a cult or if something is a cult or not, find out what do they say about the person of Jesus. Because that is the central uh, doctrine of Christianity the person of Christ, who he is and what he did. 
Now, what about those who talk about Jesus in the same terms we do? But, but you wonder about them. I mean, you can see them on TV. You, you, every, every one of you passed a number of churches today. How, how do we know? How can we understand where the truth is? Well, let me tell you how, how Paul dealt with that because he's very gracious in this. Even though here we're seeing from the scripture, we've got to be discerning. We absolutely do. But what about those that fit with what John is saying, but they just, maybe they're not in our denomination or uh, they, don't, they don't necessarily preach just like we do here. What if there are those you're wondering about their motives? Why are they even preaching? What are they getting at? Over in Philippians, Paul basically answered that question. He said this, He said, some indeed preach Christ from envy and rivalry. He's saying, yeah, there's probably some that have wrong motives, but others from goodwill. The latter do it out of love, knowing that I am put here for the defense of the gospel. The former proclaim Christ out of selfish ambition. He's saying, yep, there are probably some that in their heart of hearts, they have a a wrong motive and not sincerely, but thinking to afflict me in my imprisonment. And, but here's his answer. It might surprise you. He says, what then? Only that in every way, whether in pretense or in truth, Christ is proclaimed, and in that I rejoice. So here, here's his answer. He's saying, look, if, if what they're saying is accurate, and I think he'd go on to say, because we don't know hearts, we don't know if they're doing it out of envy or rivalry. If what they're saying is accurate, I can rejoice over that because God can use that. So it's, it's not just on the person that's saying it, it's on the accuracy of what is being said. And so that's one way we can have discernment as well. And in some ways, I I feel a freedom that Paul has given us that I I don't have to judge uh, other preachers' hearts at all. Yes, we do need to judge their words over and against Scripture, but we don't have to judge their heart because even if their heart is in the wrong place, God can use it. And some will come to Christ, not because of their pure hearts, but in spite of their envious and rivalrous hearts. That's how big our God is. So the third thing we see here is that Christ followers don't need to be intimidated by the world. Verse four, little children, you're from God. And have overcome them. For he who is in you is greater than he who is in the world. We don't need to retreat only into Christian circles. We must not retreat only into Christian circles. It's not biblical to do so. We are to be salt, we're to be light. John emphasizes that you, children, 
of the living God. He's saying to them, you're on the winning team. You need to know that. It might not look like it, but you are. The Holy Spirit dwells in you. If you are a believer and you're trusting in Christ alone for your eternal life, the Holy Spirit dwells in you and Satan who is in the world is lesser and weaker and he is the loser of the battle. Make no mistake. There are not two equal powers who are struggling for your soul. Sometimes people think, yeah, God and and, and Satan, and they're in a big struggle. No. The war is over. The battles are going on. But the war is over. And if you're in Christ, you are on the conquering side. Jesus said, I give them eternal life. They will never perish. No one will snatch them out of my hand. My Father who has given them to me is greater than all, and no one is able to snatch them out of the Father's hand. No one. We don't determine the value of truth by how many listen. Verse 5, they're from the world, therefore they speak from the world, and the world listens to them. He's saying, yeah, Okay, they got a bunch of followers. That's true. But that's not how you determine truth. It's not a vote on what is true and what isn't. So if you feel like you're in a minority, and we usually do feel that way, and we will feel that way until Jesus comes back. That's why we need this reminder. Understand that it's not about how many follow the other ways. It's about which is the true way. And John uh, clarifies that God's people will listen to God's truth. He says this in verse 6. We are from God. Whoever knows God listens to us. Whoever's not uh, from God does not listen to us. By this we know the spirit of truth and the spirit of error. The very fact that the spirit of Christ lives in believers will draw us, not repel us, from the truth. John quoted Jesus back in the gospel. My sheep hear my voice, right? They recognize it. I know them, and they follow me. Jesus, back in the gospel of John, during his ministry, said to the Jews who had believed in him, if you abide in my word, you are truly my disciples and you will know the truth and the truth will what? That's right. The truth will set you free. You might say, well, How can someone hear the truth of the gospel and not believe the truth? That doesn't make sense. If it's the truth, how can someone, how can two people be next to each other and one person believe and the other one not? Well, all we have to do is look at later in Jesus' ministry. He's before Pilate, John 18. Pilate says to him, 
So you are a king? Jesus answered, You say that I'm a king. For this purpose I was born, and for this purpose I've come into the world to bear witness to the truth. Everyone who is of the truth listens to my voice. And Pilate said to him, and this is so sad, what is truth? There it is. Pilate had truth itself standing before him in the person of Jesus, and he didn't recognize it. He was blind to the truth. He misses it and actually asks the one who is the truth, what is truth? Think how the world viewed what was going on. Jesus stood as a prisoner but he was free. Pilate stood free in the eyes of the world, but he was a prisoner of his inability to discern truth from falsehood. Being close to the truth in proximity is not enough. Just being around people who believe is not enough. Even being in a church where the truth is taught is not enough. Real truth is in Jesus and in a personal relationship with him. In him, you will know the truth and the truth will set you free. So if the son sets you free, you will be free indeed. Let's pray. How generous you are, O oh Lord, with your truth. We thank you for that. Will you, even today, give us ears to hear the truth and recognize it, eyes to see it and believe, and a heart to trust in Jesus Christ alone for our eternal life? And we pray this in his precious name, amen.